Broadcasting live from the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio, this is Raider Nation Radio 920. Unnecessary Roughness. roughness. I think this, that somewhere within the first five to ten plays of the game, the other team's quarterback must go down. And he must go down hard. It's Unnecessary Roughness here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Big hole. First down. End zone. Touchdown. Touchdown, Raiders. Would you believe it? This is Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio 920. Here's your boy, Q. Adam Candy sitting in for Q. Second hour of Unnecessary Roughness here on Raider Nation Radio. Damon Cotton alongside talking about the news of the day. James Bradbury, who a lot of Raider fans thought would be a perfect fit in the Las Vegas secondary, signs with the Philadelphia Eagles one year, $10 million. We're talking about how the Raiders secondary sets up if they don't make any more additions. Adam Hill covers the Raiders for the Las Vegas Review Journal. You can hear him regularly over on Cofield and Company on ESPN Las Vegas. Adam... Take us inside the news of the day. What did you hear about the Raiders' pursuit of James Bradbury and whether it was ever uh, really a possibility for the franchise? Well, I thought there was interest, and certainly there was a connection there with Patrick Graham and then having worked with Bradbury before. Uh, so I, I thought that that you know, could have helped the process along a little bit. But you know, I, I always kind of had a number in mind, and that if the number was going to be higher than that, then they probably weren't going to pursue it. And that number was kind of around six or seven, and they might not even been have been that high on him, honestly. So um, to hear that he got $10 million, you just kind of look and say, okay, well, if somebody wants to pay him $10 million, then go ahead and do that. His numbers in press man coverage the last couple of years have been pretty atrocious. Um, so I think that, you know, it's one of those things that if you want to bring him in and you think he can fit a role and you think that there's, you know, something you can do, and as we said, Patrick Graham has worked with him, so maybe he had a role, in, role for him in mind, but... Um, I think there are some signs of decline in Bradbury, and I, I wouldn't necessarily be freaking out if I was Raiders fans that they weren't able to get him. No, that's the case I actually have been making throughout the show, Adam. He's going on 29 years old. His numbers declined significantly from 2020 to 2021, and of course that was with uh, Patrick Graham. And what I've been saying along today is that the Raiders' secondary's biggest need isn't a player from the outside, it's health. I think there are a lot of decent players and a lot of good uh, good potential there for the Raiders secondary, but you know Trayvon Mullen's got to be healthy, and you have to keep the guys on the field throughout the season. Do you think, as constructed, that this can be a cornerback room, a safety room that supports the pass rush that we expect to be pretty good for the Raiders? I mean, yes and no. I, I think you know. I, I think you're right. If you stay healthy, there's not that much concern anyway, but. Um, you can't really bank on health uh, in the NFL for sure uh, over a, you know, I was going to say 16-game season. It's 17-game season. Um, so that's not something you can bank on. You do need to add, I think, some bodies. I think you need to add some capable uh, bodies here as we go toward the season. But I think that always happens, right? I mean, there's always guys available. It's crazy. I was looking at, um, I was doing some, you know, additions and subtractions lists the other day of, you know, teams that have gained and teams that have lost and, you know, personnel that they've picked up and, and some they've lost. And part of that process, I kept seeing, like, okay, well, this team lost this guy, this guy, this guy, and this guy. And then I was like, well, wait, have they yet? Because those guys haven't signed anywhere. Like, these guys are just still sitting out there. There's a ton of guys that are still looking for jobs, capable guys, too, uh, who are still looking for jobs. And there's going to be even more on the market uh, as we hit June 1st and as we get some of those post-June 1st cuts. And then 
don't forget, even as we get closer to the season, I mean, last year, the Raiders picked up Denzel Perriman in training camp. You know, they, they saw a knee, they saw a guy available, and they went and sent a pick, and they got Denzel Perriman, and that was a key defensive player for them at linebacker. So uh, there's always going to be guys available, and the, the benefit that they have this offseason that they didn't really have last season, uh, last offseason they had two positions they absolutely had to fill, and they did that in the draft. There was two starting positions that nobody had any idea who they were going to play, uh, they were able to get you know Leatherwood, who then eventually moved, but also Trayvon Merrick. They needed a safety, and they got one. So um, they didn't have that this year. They had a, a lot of guys that they turned over by choice, uh, and then a lot of guys they filled in in different spots, and they created some openings, uh, obviously by you know making some trades. But um, right now they have the benefit of I think they kind of know who their starting lineup would be, and they'd be comfortable with it. Uh, they have a chance to fill in some depth. Uh, to add just some bodies that they think could be beneficial. And if that's a starter, then great. That means you're improving on a starting position you're already comfortable with. And if it's depth, then you, then that's great too because, you know, that means you're going to you're gonna have guys that you need and you're going to have guys that need to fill in throughout the year. So um, they're in a pretty good position right now. Uh, they've got a little bit of flexibility. I don't think they're looking to make any major splash, but they've got a little bit of flexibility. They can add some bodies if they need to, and they don't really have any glaring holes that they absolutely need to fill. Adam Hill from the Review Journal and Cofield Company over on ESPN Las Vegas, our sister station, joining us here on Raider Nation Radio. All right, Adam, well, take me inside that list a little bit. Uh, you mentioned that there could be some veteran guys available. Maybe there are depth players, whoever it is, for the Raiders. As you were looking through those potential additions and subtractions, who did you see that might be a possibility for the Raiders? Well, I don't even want to match up any guys necessarily. I, all I'm saying is that there's guys, if you look at the list of you know players who – you know, just for instance, I was looking at the Chargers list, who left and who um, and who who they brought in. And there's like 22 names that played for the Chargers last year. That, uh, that's a little high. Maybe it's like 16 or 17, whatever it is. There's like all these names of guys that were on the team last year that are, are nowhere right now. And, I, and that's pretty much the same for every team. I just mean that there's guys out there uh, who are available at all different positions. I'm not just talking about in the secondary. I just mean at every position. Like, just don't. All I'm saying is like, don't freak out about like, oh, this guy was available and they didn't get him. Well, there's going to be a ton of a ton of movement still between now and the start of the season, and it, it might not be a guy you know that you're gonna they're gonna look and say, oh, I know that guy. That guy was a three time All Pro. I love that guy. Like, it's not gonna be those guys, but it's gonna be guys that are very capable players that you're gonna be able to add uh, to to every position. I think there there's definitely work to do in the secondary. I think they could still use a linebacker. I think they could still use some depth on the defensive line and certainly on the offensive line. Uh, they're going to be able to to use some bodies. I mean, um, you know, people. Look, I don't mean to completely change the topic on you, but uh, people freaked out about that tweet I sent out about uh, talking to Richie Incognito last week, uh, where I, you know, I ran into him uh, down at the UFC event, and I asked him if he wanted to play this season, and he he said, you know, stay tuned, and it kind of indicated to me that he does want to play, and people were like, we don't want him. I was like, okay, hold on. First of all, I wasn't asking if he wanted to play on the Raiders or if he was going to play on the Raiders. It's a new administration. He doesn't really know these guys necessarily. Um, it, 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 wasn't, it wasn't that he's tied to the Raiders. He's a free agent. But he's a guy that's out there. And, and no, I don't think anybody would be overly excited uh, if the Raiders added Richie Incognito, even though I think he would be you know, pretty decent for you know, the development of some of the younger guys. But um, there's, just, there's just so many guys that just don't have a team right now. And I, I think... People just don't need to freak out about you know where they're going to you know where they're going to find more people because there is more than enough capable NFL bodies out there right now. I don't understand why you won't play my game. Don't you understand how this is this is supposed to work? You're no. supposed to give me names on this show. Then it.
into a clip from the show. Then it gets turned into the Las Vegas Review-Journal is reporting that exactly. Joe Hayden is going to sign with the Raiders. I don't understand why you won't play the game. Chris Harris to the Raiders. You heard it here first. No, well, I mean, that, thank you. Thank you. Yeah. That, that's all. Uh, hashtag content. That's all I'm looking for here. <laughs> yeah. I just need hashtag content to make this go. Uh, sure. All right. Let me promote some of your hashtag content. Uh, over at the uh, Review Journal, you did a game-by-game look at the Raiders after the schedule came out. So now that you've seen where all the puzzle pieces fit together of how the game's set up for the Raiders, where do you see as sort of the key spots? Where do you think the schedule either broke favorably for them or maybe didn't go so well? Well, I don't know if it was necessarily favorable for them to get back-to-back games on the East Coast or you know, kind of the East Coast, but I think that they wanted it. And I think it's, it's you know one of those things that you know, teams have started to do if they get back-to-back games on a different coast uh, to go and, and practice out there and get away from home for a little bit. And it, it serves as not only some bonding time, but also uh, just some time to focus on, on just football and not, you know, everything that you have going on at the house and, and all those sorts of things. Get away from some of the distractions. And um, they got that, and I think they wanted that. It sounds like they kind of put a request in, like, hey, if we're going to go to East a bunch, let's get back-to-back. And I think that's a big stretch where you get, you know, at New Orleans and at Jacksonville and, um, you're going to have to, you know, that's a game that obviously you have to win. I mean, the the, the Jacksonville and the Houston games are so must-win uh, on the schedule this season. Um, even though you know, people want to talk about a lot of these other games, if you don't win those games, if you don't win the games that you're more than a touchdown favorite in, like, you're not going to be able to compete uh, in this division and in this conference with all the great teams that are out there. So uh, to have that Jacksonville game up the second half of back-to-back uh, where you're going to stay on the East Coast, it's such a must-win spot for you. That, I think, is a uh, a really big moment in the schedule, even though I think it's one of the most overlooked moments. Um, I think it's a, a really key stretch for this team. And obviously, any of the division games are just massive, and they've kind of got them broken up a lot early in the season, a lot very late in the season. You don't get the back-to-back home games till late in the season. Um, those are some, some kind of notes from it, but um, I really am focused on those uh, back-to-back games at New Orleans, at Jacksonville, that are going to be so key. Yeah, Adam, do you think that maybe the bye, because one, one of the things that fan, Raider fans are maybe complaining about a little bit is that the bye is too early in the schedule. Do you think that that may come back to haunt the Raiders, that they'll have 12 games straight after that bye at Week 5? I mean, I don't think it's ideal. Um, nobody loves it. But also, like there is that is a really brutal start to the season, right? I mean, I think that's one of the things that you overlook when you when you talk about the bye being early. And yeah, that's... It's not ideal. I don't think anybody would have preferred to have that um, if they were, you know, if the Raiders were making their own schedule. Um, I'm sure they would have put the bye later. But like I said, those those early games are so tough. It's such a tough run of games against pretty much all teams that are expected to be very good and were good last year. Um, I think that right now on the, on paper it looks bad, and and even when they have it, they're going to be kind of looking and saying, "Oh man, 12 games after this." But I think after that first stretch of games, you might be singing a different tune of saying like. Man, we might need a little week off, a little a little breather after just like you know all these emotional games right in a row to start the season. You know, one of the things, Adam, that stood out to me was that I don't think this is a great break. Maybe I'm overthinking this. Maybe it's the sort of thing you talk about in May when the schedule comes out. But they get Seattle and Pittsburgh later in the year. I personally would have preferred to see those games earlier before those quarterback situations have a chance to shake out, uh, you know, maybe the, when the Steelers are still potentially committed to playing Mitchell Trubisky instead of seeing what they have in Kenny Pickett, uh, maybe before, uh, you know, Seattle has a chance to get Drew Locke acclimated, et cetera. A- am I overthinking this, or, or is this something that could potentially uh, affect the Raiders' season? 
No, I think it's good points, but like you can look at the other side too, right? I mean, I actually—I mean, it might sound crazy. I actually am pretty high on Trubisky um, and what he could do there. But like, what if what if he plays okay, but not quite well enough to keep them in the race? And then they turn to Pickett, who's nowhere close to ready, and you've got Pickett late in the season, who could be a potential disaster. I mean, if that's the case, then all of a sudden it works out better for you, right? In in Seattle, look, I have no idea about Drew Locke. I, I don't, you know, I don't have all the confidence in the world. He obviously can make big plays at times, uh, but the Raiders have seen him before. I wouldn't be too worried about that. And who even knows who's the quarterback at that point? I mean, it could be it could be a real disaster. It could be Baker Mayfield or something at that point of the season. So. Um, I don't know. I, I I think you're right in that you'd probably you'd probably want to see those games early when they're still trying to figure things out. But I think there's just a good of a chance that they're not going to have it figured out, uh, and that it could be even worse of a situation for them. So um, you can take that, and then you can also look and say, wouldn't you rather play the Cardinals early in the season when DeAndre Hopkins isn't there? I mean, I think that's a pretty big benefit uh, that they got on the schedule early in the season of kind of getting that break. So um, things tend to balance out. I mean, you knew who, the, who was going to be on the schedule. Uh, you knew who you were going to play. It's just a matter of when, and uh, now you find out. And, and I think that you start sort of nitpick, just like you're doing, and just like I did when I first saw the schedule. But you don't know how things are going to work out. You don't know if you know some of the, those teams' best players are going to be out by that point, or you know who might be in the lineup or not. So it, it's tough to read it right now. Uh, but I know you know I I totally get what you're saying, and I don't necessarily disagree that you might want to have those teams that aren't certain early in the season. Was the Chargers season schedule release video the greatest video in the history of Twitter? Uh, well, it's the greatest schedule release video in the yeah. history of Twitter. Without question. It's amazing. <laughs> no, question, no question about that. I mean, there's been a lot of great videos out there, uh, Adam. I, I don't, I mean, you can, you know, expand on that. But yes, I, I listen, I watched it a bunch of times. I missed several of the references on uh, the first couple of viewings. I saw something new almost every time. Uh, it's phenomenal, and I, I love, I absolutely love teams being willing to take shots at other teams. Um, I, I love that aspect of it. I wish teams would do more of it. I wish, I hope, my hope obviously is that teams, you know, get inspired by this and, and do something like, you know, you look at different teams and what they did around the league, and, and you know, I, I'll i say like the Raiders did a, a great job. It was so well done, so well produced. I, I loved it, but um, there was no, you know, there was no like, taking shots at people. And I think a lot of teams were kind of, you know, conservative in that regard of, Hey, we don't want to be offensive and we don't want to do that. I I'm all for it. I say, go for it. I mean, once you, once you throw the, uh, you know, the urban Meyer pose out there at the bar, I mean, that's as brilliant as as Twitter schedule videos get. And then, I mean, it only went up from there. There were so many other great references in that video. And by the way, I don't know how many of the other videos people watch because people are so focused on the Chargers, there was like five teams that took shots at Urban Meyer. Like he was, he was the one thing that everybody felt safe taking a shot at. That's how bad of a disaster he was. The, the, the best part is that for as unsafe as everyone felt being around Urban Meyer, that's how safe everyone felt taking shots at Urban Meyer. It's beautiful, just absolutely beautiful. The the the, uh, the veiled Deshaun Watson shot was was beautiful. Uh, just. Uh, everything about that Chargers video was uh, was fantastic. All right, Adam, we'll oh, let you so we'll, we'll let you go on this because we just talked to Mo Moten from Bleacher Report, and he he gave us some football takes, and I can't take any of them as seriously anymore because he just told us that cookie dough anything is trash. It's all overrated. Uh, are you here? Are you here to drag him? Because I hope so. I mean, 
Yeah, first of all, it, to make a blanket statement like that is just silly. Like a cookie dough ice cream is very good. Um, okay. if, if anything is like cookie dough flavored, I think you could at least give it a try, right? It's, yes. Yeah. It, it's there's, there's, good there's taste. nothing trash. All it is is chocolate chip. Who, who hates chocolate chips? Oh, he says that if it's not baked, it has. Why not bake the cookie dough? Right? Like I, I, I don't care. What's the difference? How, how much time does he have on his hands? Sometimes we just got to get it done. I don't have doing? time to put this in the oven. Give it to me right now. Oh, like a cookie dough ice cream is delicious too. Demond, where where are you on this? Oh, I love cookie dough ice cream. He said okay. that he ate it and he ate around the cookie dough pieces. He took it out of the ice cream, oh, and it, that was just the part oh. where. It's, my man, no. come on, what are you doing? All right, ban him from the show, and also, I don't believe DeMond has ever had cookie dough ice cream. Like, the guy, is, he, he doesn't eat any ice cream. The guy's just, he's just eating healthy things all the time. Oh, no, I love ice cream, man. Bluebell is back in stores, man. I don't know if people remember this. Bluebell was gone for years. Couldn't get it in Vegas. But now they're on back and, with a vengeance. On and popping. There come he on, is. Come on, man, Bluebell's back. Oh, I've been, I've been on an ice cream kick, man. <laughs> I'm, I'm. Hey, you know what? If there's an indulgence out there that we should all be taking part in, I, I, I name ice cream up at the top of the food list. Adam Hill from the Review Journal from Cofield and Company over on ESPN Las Vegas, kind enough to sit in with us for a little bit on Raider Nation Radio. Adam, have a fantastic week. We'll talk to you soon. How are you guys doing? Enjoy your uh, ice cream. I wish we had more of it right now. I do have a little bit in the freezer. I, I went a little bit. Damon, I went a little bougie. Um, I, 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 it was on sale at Whole Foods. I mean, there's your first bougie reference. But it was on sale at Whole Foods, and I bought Milk Bar ice cream. Um, like from the Milk Bar at the Cosmo on the Strip. Uh, Ooh, the cereal milk bougie. ice cream. Yeah, it, I, I'm not going to lie. With my ice cream, I went a little bougie on this one. I'm pretty excited to dig in. Um, I, I I don't know. Did, uh, did, you know did I spend too much? Did I, did I go the wrong direction? It depends on how much it costs because I'll give, like, for a little birthday dinner, I went to the Cosmopolitan and I went to Momofuku mm-hmm. that's adjacent to the milk bar. Yes. And I looked at it, you know, I finished my dinner and I'm like, hey, you know, I already spent a pretty penny on dinner. <laughs> and then I look at the milk bar and I'm like, I kind of want a milkshake. $11. Nah, I'm good. No. Nope. Didn't want a, an, an $11 milkshake. I thought about Pulp Fiction. A $5 shake. Just milk and ice cream. <laughs> now we're doubling that. <laughs> To eleven dollars, an eleven dollar shake, huh? Man, okay. Uh, it was on sale for five dollars. The 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 pint of ice cream was on sale for five dollars. I felt I felt okay about that. All right. What are your most controversial ice cream takes? If you want to talk about that, we might have room for it. We prefer to talk a little more Raiders. Uh, let's get to a few more of your calls here in just a moment. Uh, time to talk about James Bradbury. The fact that he did not sign with. The Raiders, he chose to go to the Philadelphia Eagles. That leaves the Raiders potentially looking for a little bit more help in the secondary. Are they good enough right now? Do you feel confident in the Raiders' secondary as currently constructed? On the other side here, we're going to take some calls. 702-365-9200. Text us on the Salmon Ash text line 69187. 69187. Keyword RNR. Visit them at SalmonAsh.com because you deserve What's right? Tell us what's right for the Raiders secondary here as we keep going on Unnecessary Roughness. Welcome back to Unnecessary Roughness. Unnecessary Roughness. Here on Raider Nation Radio 920. I'm going to have to kick you, you know what, today. Here's your boy Q. Adam Candy sitting in for Q. Tomorrow alongside Raider Nation Radio here on Unnecessary Roughness. 
roughness. We've already got some of you weighing in on the text line. Demond's going to get to those here in a minute. The Salmon Ash text line is available if you want to talk Raiders with us today. Text to 69187 with the keyword R&R. Demond, what do we got? All right, we got this one from my guy Fabian. Unnecessary roughness, Adam and Demond. Mo drinks avocado smoothies. Enough said. People still taking shots at Mo. Avocado smoothies? What is that TB12 stuff? I don't want to hear about all that. No, I love avocado, but I don't need to make an avocado smoothie. What else we got? All right, and then we got this from Aaron. I think we I think we fans were driving the Bradbury conversation and hurt our own feelings for we all know in the front office. For all we know, the front office wasn't even looking at Bradbury. I think we should wait and see what this front office does after June 1st. That is a reasonable take, and I agree entirely that with a brand-new front office that has managed this offseason, look – I think they gave up a lot in draft capital. I think they went all in on a team that is going to have a very hard path through the AFC West. But you can just look at the players that they got on the field, look at the way they handled the draft, and you can say uh, that there are some promising things there. So we got more calls coming in. We have the listener line wide open right now, 702-365-9200 here on Raider Nation Radio. Uh, DeMond tells me we've got a couple of callers ready to go. DeMond, let's fire it up. Who we got? We got Raider Dave in Denver up first. Let's hear it, Raider Dave. Hey, how's it going? Um, I think that the success of the Raiders is going to be stopping the run, and that just bodes right into making teams one-dimensional, which, of course, ends up letting the defensive ends eat. So I'm not too worried about the the defensive secondary. It's puzzling as to what and how Abrams is going to fit the scheme. Uh, I've called in a couple different shows and said that, you know, Morg playing 27 yards off the line of scrimmage, I, I hope that those days are over. I hope he can read and react and be a little bit closer so that way he can help on the uh, on the run game. But it'll be interesting with the 3-4-4-3 three, four, four, three in which downs they will do those types of things. But making teams one-dimensional is going to put everybody that, we, that the Raiders play right into the fold of, of really what they're building this thing to do. Raider Dave, I love the take uh, there. Thanks for calling in. Look, I haven't been shy in the past in saying that I did not like the Jonathan Abram draft pick. I didn't like how they used him the first two years. I, I feel like you're, you're kind of forcing him into a fit here. That's why I listed him as one of the most important players for the Raiders because really he, what he is is an undersized linebacker. How do you utilize him best with this secondary that is going to be, as I mentioned earlier, not having to cover as much with the defensive ends that they have, but certainly going to have to do their share of the work here in the AFC West. And we looked at the fact that Yannick Ngakwe was not very good against the run. Uh, In fact, he was very bad against the run. In fact, he was the worst edge defender in the league against the run last year. But uh, keep in mind, Chandler Jones has had declining run defense grades and pretty significantly declining run defense grades the last two years. So still need to prove that he can do his share when it comes to stopping the run. Who's next, Amon? Mitch in New Jersey. He's back this time. Oh, we got Mitch this time. All right, Mitch. How you doing? I apologize. I mean, I, I'll pull over. I'll pull over when I'm driving, but I was at work. And I definitely want to be talking in front of people. Uh, that's uh, definitely a no-no. But thanks for taking my call. Uh, I think the Raiders, I think their offense is going to get, get, be close to that division. It's a tough division. It's the best division. 
Russell Wilson is going to enjoy last place in both Western divisions. He's got it's too much for him. And you were talking about Luca. I think if Luca brings uh, the Dallas Mavericks to um, the finals, he's going to be he can lay into uh, like Aka Bo Jackson, Dan Marino. It, it's, it's looking good. I hope he does it. Nice to see new faces. Thanks for taking my call. All right, Mitch. We appreciate it. Thanks for pulling over and driving safely uh, in in chatting with us. And so uh, to, to, to go to that point, I, I, I don't agree. I don't think Russell Wilson is going to flop in this division. I think the Broncos are set up uh, for a pretty good year this year. I liked that roster outside of Russell Wilson. I think there are questions about year one uh, in the system for Russell Wilson. I'm not sure it's necessarily going to be this year. I actually do have some investment uh, in the Broncos at uh, 25 to 1. Uh, so, you know, I'm believer enough to put some money behind it. And, and on the Luka thing, before we let that go, since we talked about Luka Doncic uh, beer gate earlier on, uh, potentially spotted uh, out having lunch, drinking a beer earlier today. Uh, I have people who are NBA betters, NBA observers who think that Luka Doncic at 23 years old is on a path to not only be one of the greatest players in history, that if he continues the way he's going, he might be up there in the MJ, in the Kobe, in the LeBron, in the top-level discussion. I mean, it remains to be seen. He's 23. We don't need to get that far ahead of ourselves again, but I think it's worth considering. The people who watch this stuff closely think that it is a possibility for for Luka Doncic. Uh, we don't talk all football here on Raider Nation Radio. Sometimes we break it out and we talk a little bit of other sports. Uh, Damon, let's talk a little hockey. Let's talk a little hockey. And, and I was talking earlier about the fact that one of my very favorite parts of hockey is watching overtime. Um, you know, I, I grew up watching traditional five-on-five overtime. Game can end in a tie, et cetera, et cetera. And I didn't know what I was going to think of seeing three-on-three overtime. And it turns out it can be one of the most fun experiences you have at a hockey game. Um, what if you turn that into the whole game? What if that was not just the overtime feature? What if that was the entire event? Uh, that is the idea behind Three Ice. Uh, EJ Johnston is the founder of Three Ice. Uh, the Initial games are going to be held here in Las Vegas for their first season. The championship is going to be held here in Las Vegas over at the Orleans. EJ, welcome. Thanks for giving us uh, a little bit of your time here on Raider Nation Radio. How are you doing today? I'm great. Thanks, guys, for having me. Oh, we're happy to we're happy to have you in. We're excited to talk about uh, three ice and about the idea of of three on three hockey. Maybe take us a little bit behind the idea in the first place and, and how it came to be at the point where we're getting ready to start the inaugural season here. Yeah, it kind of builds on what you just said. It's it's one of the most fun things you can be doing, not just at hockey, but in sports. Watching the uh, kind of the track meet, the hair on fire hockey that is three on three is just, uh, it's tremendous. So uh, the, the sort of the kickoff idea um, came when I was watching the training camp and rookie camps for the Pittsburgh Penguins and New Jersey Devils and watching these unknown guys at rookie camps finishing with these three-on-three tournaments and the, the practice facilities are packed with like 2,000 people and they're ooing and aahing at these guys just putting on an incredible show. And this is about a year or so into the NHL's uh, stint with the three-on-three overtime session 
and it just hit me like a ton of bricks. I said, this, this should be the full-time format. Uh, you've got other snackable leagues out there like the Big Three or uh, Indian Premier League, which is a short-form version of cricket in a, in a different part of the world. Uh, Formula E is to Formula One, but uh, we think we've got the best part of hockey, and we said, you know what, let's make this our full-time format, and we put our foot on the gas about three and a half, four years ago, and uh, we're only a month away from dropping the puck now. Three Ice is going to hold tournaments in nine North American cities this summer. Uh, teams are going to be coached by NHL legends, and I have to admit, as a hockey fan, having grown up in the 80s and 90s, seeing some of the names who are going to be behind these teams got me pretty excited. Uh, guys like Brian Trottier and uh, Guy Carboneau uh, and so on. Uh, how'd you get these guys uh, signed up for Three Ice and uh, involved in the coaching? Uh, well, I'm glad to hear you say that. You're uh, you're definitely the target audience. You know, I'm, <laughs> I'm 48, so guys that uh, grew up in the 70s and 80s are kind of who we were targeting for those coaches. Um, you know, for me, uh, my father uh, played in the NHL for 16 years. His name's Ed Johnston. He coached GM, still involved with the Pittsburgh Penguins. And so uh, I got to know some of these guys over the course of uh, my lifetime. And usually it was me in middle school or high school uh, hanging out with them. But uh, as I've become a professional and presented this idea to them, uh, they all jumped at it. They all immediately said, I love it. I get it. I'm in. Um, you know, Grant Fuhr was the first guy I reached out to. I heard through the grapevine that he was interested in getting into coaching. And uh, he was one of my heroes growing up. My dad being a goalie, I was a goalie guy. So Grant was, you know, uh, posters of him on my wall, Michelle Dion, uh, Greg Millen, uh, a whole bunch of these guys uh, were kind of my idols. But um, Grant was the first one. Brian Trottier was next. I think John LeClaire might have been after that. And then Guy Carboneau, Larry Murphy uh, came on board. But we've got six great Hall of Famers, Murph, Carboneau, Mullen, LeClaire, Trotz, and Fuhr. Uh, we're excited to see them do their thing. And, uh, yeah, just being connected to the game and uh, having a great idea, I think, is what got them on board. Yeah, you mentioned how it came about to find the coaches. So what did it, what did it take to get some players for this league? And what was the drafting process like for the players in each team? Yeah, um, we have a great commissioner in Craig Patrick, and so if you're a hockey guy, you know that name pretty well. The old Patrick division, Craig's in the Hall of Fame, his grandfather's in the Hall of Fame, two of his uncles are in the Hall of Fame. So Craig really helped us curate that list. Uh, there's about 300 to 400 players around the world national hockey, guys stepping out of the NHL, guys overseas in the European leagues, uh, kids coming out of college in Canada and in, uh, the States. And we just built a list uh, well over a year ago, and we just started curating through, seeing who would fit uh, our type of game. You know, we're, we're looking for those, you know, those Ferraris, not those Mack trucks. We're looking for water bugs that can zip around the ice. So it's a skill set. It's a body type, not that 6'4", 6'5", 225-pounder. So just thinking through that uh, with Craig, we've also got another uh, teammate, uh, Steve Baker, uh, played goalie in the NHL for six years. And uh, he helped us curate that list as well. And we just started reaching out, sometimes through agents, sometimes directly to these guys. And we've just got a great mix of ex-NHLers, guys that played overseas in every league possible and, and college kids. And uh, our average age should be about 27 or 28. These guys can fly. And uh, I'm excited to showcase their talents to the world. E.J. Johnson from Three Eyes joining us here on Unnecessary Roughness. The first event is going to be June 18th at the Orleans Arena here in Las Vegas and the finals tournament August 20th, uh, again, in Las Vegas. Each game is going to consist of two eight-minute periods, running clock, full-sized rink. Each team has seven players uh, with one goalie. It's a nine-week season, six games, 
each night. So let me make sure I, I, I understand. If it's seven players, then it's almost like uh, half-court three-on-three basketball where we're going to turn around and play on the same end, right? So we're playing in a full sheet of ice. But by the way, you nailed all those talking points. I love it. Um, <laughs> we're playing in a full sheet of ice, just like you see in the NHL's overtime session. Um, but instead of 21 guys on the bench, and, and by the way, they probably only skate about eight or nine uh, players in those sessions. Uh, we're going to have six skaters plus a goalie. So that gives us seven players per team. And basically you're just rotating through those six skaters, um, you know, at breakneck speed. Sometimes it's a wholesale change, three on, three off. But most of the time it's going to be on the fly. Um, when a guy can get a, a, a break towards a bench uh, to try and you know get out there because we don't stop the clock for really anything other than goals or injuries uh, and the half. Um, we've got eight-minute periods, two eight-minute halves of running clock, so each game is 16 minutes total. We've got a bracket-style tournament, so we play six games in the evening, so it takes place over the course of just under three hours. Uh, a baseball game is about 3.15, a football game is about the same, and, and a normal hockey game is usually about 2.45. So it's going to be a, a lot of action packed into those three hours. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's a track meet. Um, so it's, it should be a very, very exciting evening, game after game after game, which, uh, if you're a sports better, should be a lot of fun as well. Let's talk about that aspect because, uh, you know, obviously uh, legal sports betting um, coming around, you know, more prominently in the last four years after the Supreme Court decision in May of 2018. How do you plan to incorporate that into the product? Yes, we have just signed a deal with our friends over at Sport Radar to collect our data and be our integrity partner. We're going to announce that actually tomorrow, so I'm breaking it on your show tonight. Nice. Uh, The press release goes out, I think, at at noon. So, yeah, a little breaking news here. But um, they're going to be our partner helping us collect all that data in the right way and build those those markets for bettors. Um, But we think there's a ton of, obviously, pre-game betting and then live in-game betting. Uh, A specific tactic is instead of... Uh, power plays going to four on three as they typically do in the uh, three on three session. Now we're going to go straight to penalty shots. So that's a perfect way for some in-game betting to happen. And we've actually got a twist on it, guys. We uh, we're going to have a jailbreak style penalty shot. So instead of just that guy by himself at the center of the ice and the dot taking it in, everybody else lines up on the blue line behind him. And as soon as he touches the biscuit, it's game on and they're going to chase him down. So he's got to kind of hurry up, uh, a little bit, and uh, if he misses, the puck's live and we continue playing. But, uh, yeah, we think the betting side of this equation will be a lot of fun. Game after game, picking winners, over-unders, in-game betting for those penalty shots and everything else. Uh, I can't wait. I can't wait to see it evolve. It's going to take a few weeks for us to really get uh, enough of a sample size for the fans out there to get their mind around it. But I think pretty quickly uh, the marketplace is going to react to this. And, uh, yeah, we plan on having that as a significant component of our game. June 18th at Orleans Arena. Folks locally here in Las Vegas are interested in checking it out. What do they need to do? Where can they go to uh, look at getting some tickets? Yeah, 3ice.com. 3 is in the number, ice.com. We've got our tickets for the June 18th kickoff and for the championships, uh, which are on August uh, 6th, excuse me, August 20th in Las Vegas. So they can go there and, and get their tickets. And, uh, yeah, we think Vegas is a, a great sports town now. Uh, it's become a great hockey town. And uh, we think the marketplace is going to react to us. We think they'll show up in uh, big numbers for us, and we can't wait to put on uh, a great show for them. 
I'm curious as someone who who has had roots in the NHL as long as you and and your family have what you've thought about how Vegas evolved into a, a hockey market. I mean, I'm from the East Coast originally and I was surprised even in years past about the passion there was for minor league hockey and then it's obviously become a whole other thing with the Golden Knights. Yeah, it's become a fantastic sports town. I think you got the Formula 1 um potentially coming there sooner rather than later. The, the Mark Andre Fleury phenomenon, I think, really uh, helped sort of make it, uh, sort of put it turbocharged, if you will. But it's always been a sneaky great sports market, and you guys have been hungry for big league sports. Uh, you know, unfortunately, the, the gambling several years ago kind of kept the big league sports away. They now have embraced it, they get it, they've done it in the right way. And, uh, you know, thankfully for fans that live there, you can have big time sports. But it's a wonderful sports town. I mean, I, I get in a cab from the airport, and someone from any part of the country, a local, uh, an immigrant, uh, an East Coaster, they all talk hockey uh, in the cab. They can't, they can't wait to start to, to share about it. Uh, I tell them what I'm doing there, and they immediately open up, and they talk all sports, but they really are uh, sneaky great hockey fans in that market. And I think the Marc-Andre Fleury phenomenon helped a great run. He didn't have a great season this year, but it's a quality team with some great players, and I think you got some nice building blocks moving forward. George McPhee will do a, a pretty good job over there, I'm sure. But it's just a great sports town now, and I'm, I'm glad for you guys that you've been able to get the, the big league sports coming in, and it's flooding in. Uh, they recognize what you guys are, which is, which is a great sports town with great sports fans. And we have Raider fans listening from across the country right now, so it's not just folks in Las Vegas who are listening in. What other cities are you going to be in here for this inaugural season? Yeah, we go through Bookend in Vegas, then we go through Denver, Grand Rapids, Hershey, London, Ontario, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania for my hometown, and we'll be in the Penguins Arena, Quebec City, get a tip of the cap to the French speakers up there, and then Nashville at Bridgestone Arena, and then back to Orleans uh, on the 20th of August. So nine tour dates over 10 weeks, uh, a nice mix of AHL buildings, NHL buildings, and the Denver building is actually uh, a college facility where our commissioner, Craig Patrick, was the athletic director and won a couple of national championships playing. So it's a, a tip of the cap to his, his past. Um, but we think it's a great mix of, of markets and buildings, and we can't wait to see the fans show up. Uh, and uh, I, I've seen that college arena uh, in Denver and the facilities there as well. And there are a lot of minor league teams that would uh, would be jealous of what that university uh, yeah. has going on. So sure. uh, it's very, very, very nice. Uh, how did you pick that mix of cities because it looks like you've got a pretty good uh pretty good cross-section of uh, geography going on there yeah it's a little bit of science a little bit of alchemy and uh some good old-fashioned i think horse sense we got a lot of smart people on our team uh some experts that help us pick the buildings negotiate with the buildings but it's really a combination of great hockey markets first and foremost uh, buildings that fit our our size we're somewhere between seven thousand and about uh, 18,000 for most of these buildings. The Denver buildings, I think, just uh, just over six, so it's one of the more intimate ones. But it's a great mix of uh, smart, good hockey fan bases, buildings that are great, and uh, places that we thought we could sell out. And we want to have that nice mix, as I said, of AHL, NHL, and the college game all sort of mixed in there. So the geography is kind of northeast-based, but being in the middle of the country in Denver and being in what we think is an unbelievable sports town in Vegas just made sense to us. And so we worked really hard for about six months to negotiate and and get all the best uh, partnerships at those buildings. And we can't wait to see uh, how it shakes out. 
The website is three, the number three, ice.com. You can go there for more information about the June 18th event at the Orleans Arena. It's the kickoff for Three Ice and uh, EJ Johnson, founder. We appreciate you giving us a little bit of time. Best of luck, and uh, we'll see you out there at the rink. Terrific. Really appreciate it, guys. Thank you. No problem. Raider Nation Radio rolls on for another few minutes with your calls and texts. Hit us up. We want to chat. What does it mean to be a Raider? What to you, what does it mean to be a Raider? Man, being a Raider is not just being a football player. It's not about the just the jersey or just the just the helmet. It's about a lifestyle. It's about it's about loyalty. It's about doing whatever you have to do to help your brothers, to help your family. That's what it's all about. It's never putting yourself above the shield. That's what being a Raider is all about. Welcome back to Unnecessary Roughness. Unnecessary Roughness. Here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Here's your boy Q. Adam Candy closing it out for Q here today. Damon Cotton on the producer stage keeping us on track here. I'm going to talk to you a little bit more here. we got time for just a couple more calls before... We head out today. Uh, Damon, we got someone on the line right now. Wants to talk a little football with us. We got 502 Raider D on the line. How's it going, gentlemen? How's it going? All right, man. What's going on? Uh, so, listen, I, I, I believe this. I, we've been looking for it you know, at, at different times before this season even started. We we're waiting on four different cornerbacks to possibly call to us to try to take us over that hump. We used Casey Hayward last year, which worked out really well for us. But realistically, man, you know, we, I, I trust, I trust in this, in, in this genius here. I think we go, um, 11 and 6, um, 12 and 5, possibly, if anything. But, man, I'm looking forward. I, I think that coaching is everything. And I think that we've got a superior coaching staff on defense that we haven't had in a long time. And I think they're going to make some of these guys, some of these younger guys. I think that, uh, you know, I'm from Louisville, Kentucky. Uh, Nate Hobbs is also from Louisville, Kentucky. Went to school here locally. And he flourished last year with that coaching staff. I think he's going to take the next step. I think, you know, Morag and some of the younger guys back there. And I think, I think we're going to be okay. I really do believe that, man. It's just because they, because they kind of play by the numbers. You know, they're not doing, there's a lot of help. You know, they use five, five, uh, DBs and, and a lot of sources, a lot of cases with two linebackers and so forth. So I think we're going to, I think we're going to have a phenomenal year this year. to it, man. It's a pleasure. Listen to the show. Remind you, man. And, uh, That'll be good, man. Much appreciated. You know what I like the most about that? When when he said DeMond is the man, that was just one confident head nod. DeMond just went, yup. Yup. Much appreciated. Yeah, I know. I know. I mean, I you know, I'm sure you like hearing it from other people, but you already know. You already know. Uh, we have an interesting piece of information that I think we can kind of close out here with today. We might get into this a little deeper uh, over the next few shows here with Q out for a well-deserved rest. Uh, I will be among a handful of people trying to just hold it down. Uh, we can't fill the shoes. Just try to hold it down as long as we can. Um, Superbook, the Westgate Superbook, put out not only lines for all of the Raiders games, but lines for every NFL game for the entire season. Uh, and, uh, I want to start with just a couple here for the Raiders as a little tease for what we'll get into here tomorrow. Uh, Demon, and starts here with week one. And I think this is a really interesting 
number. Uh, Raiders at the Chargers. Uh, the Chargers favored by four. Um, there's been pretty broad agreement, I think, among the so-called experts that, okay, maybe the Chargers are a step ahead of the Raiders coming into this season. Four points, though, feels like a lot because these two teams played tight, tight games. Even the game down at SoFi last year, uh, I don't think the final score was indicative uh, of how the Raiders played, and obviously we know what it looked like in Week 18 here. Uh, What do you think about a a four-point spread between the Chargers and the Raiders at SoFi in Week 1? I think that four is about right. If it was up to me, maybe I'd go... Three and a half, but I think that four is about right because those Chargers, I do, I haven't went in that game as well because for me, I think that the Chargers, that they are working all off season. We were talking about this a few days ago where they're bitter. They still got the taste in their mouth of that loss at the last game of the season. It knocked them out of the playoffs. So I think that they're just going to be training. They've got the Raiders picture on the wall when they're hitting the punching bag. You know, they are, they are just envisioning the Raiders. And I do think that they're going to come out that first game of the season with their heads on fire. And I think I think they're going to get the win. But a four and a half, just a four point favorite. I don't think that that's outrageous. No, I don't think it's outrageous. Um, I, I would be inclined to take those points if you made me take one side right now. I, I do think it's probably a game the Chargers pull out. But I don't know, man. I, I, it, Early on, um, there are still going to be a lot of pieces for the Chargers to put together on that defensive side of the ball. You know, we talked earlier with Mo Moten about his piece on the uh, potential for Justin Herbert to win an MVP award this year. And I think there is continuity on the offense, as he said. There are a lot of new pieces on that defensive side of the ball, and the Raiders are pretty stacked uh, if they can hold up on the offensive line. And I know that's a gigantic if it's probably the if of the whole season for the Raiders is how the offensive line is gonna come together and uh, Bosa and Mack makes a formidable duo just the same as Crosby and Jones but yeah that's that's an interesting number uh here for the Raiders uh it's been fun today it's been fun today talking a little little James Bradbury little little uh little Raiders little a little bit of ice cream, uh, a little bit of everything. A little here day on, drinking on with Luca. A little Luca day drinking. We we'll find out soon. Did he just have the one beer? Do you have three beers? Do you have no beers? Were the Mavericks telling us the truth? I don't know. I don't know. But our thanks go out to to Mo Moten uh, from Bleacher Report to Adam Hill from the Las Vegas Review Journal and to EJ Johnson, the founder of Three Ice, the hockey tournament that is coming to Las Vegas next month. Uh, We'll have some fun guests coming up here over the next few days. We'll talk a little bit more about the Raiders lines from the Superbook that came out earlier today. Uh, Damon, I know I'm not going to be Q, but I'm doing my best to just keep the show on track, and I appreciate all your help in doing that as well today. You're welcome. Thank you. Anytime, my man. Anytime. At Adam Candy, two E's, no Y on Twitter. At Demond underscore the boss on Twitter. Hit us up. Talk to us before tomorrow. We'll see you then.